Greetings. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel. Oops, we're not in chapter 10. We're in chapter 9, verse 24. Sorry about that, I just couldn't resist. Daniel 9, that was funny though, you got to admit. Daniel 9, chap, verse 24. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half a week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the, on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. And God, even though there are difficulties in understanding everything in this passage, it's clear that it is about your redemptive plan that you're bringing about that you have decreed it, that the passage is Christ-saturated, that all through it we see your promise of the Messiah. So God, may our focus be on you, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, God, just give us understanding and see how we can apply this passage to our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Most commentaries and scholars agree on this passage. Well, they agree on one thing in particular, and that it's a difficult passage. Is it a literal time? Is it a figurative time? Who are the different he's and different princes. Some have kind of used, I guess it's a golf metaphor, that when you get to verse 24, you're in high grass. You're in the rough. Another one called it a dismal swamp. It's highly debated. But they go on to say there are big ticket truths and it, that it's super encouraging. Chapter 9 began with Daniel thinking of 
that the 70 years of exile as the prophet Jeremiah had had proclaimed a word of the Lord that the 70 years are are just about up in fact in verse 19 Daniel's last plea with with God was he said oh Lord hear oh Lord forgive oh Lord pay attention and act delay not for your own sake oh my God because your city and your people are called by your name Daniel was praying for the forgiveness of Israel also himself confessing repenting he was he had praised God and who he who God is God's answer to Daniel's prayer about the 70 weeks was so much more than the 70 70 years of exile God's answer was so much more than those 70 years Matthew Henry said God answers Daniel's prayer above and beyond what he what he Daniel was able to ask or even think He goes on and says that Daniel is honorably employed to make known to God's people another more glorious release. The times may be difficult to uh, understand. There's difficulty sometimes in knowing uh, exactly who Gabriel is telling Daniel about. Notice that the message is it's 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 delivered solemnly, but it's received by Daniel and probably us as well with with great attention on what God is trying to 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 show Daniel. It's it's a challenging passage. But it can also challenge us. How? In what way? What can challenge us to study the passage? To use Scripture? To interpret Scripture? To look there in the margins or at the bottom of your your Bible for cross-references? Maybe dig out that exhaustive concordance. Some would call it the exhausting concordance, the concordance that has every word in the in the Bible and shows you references to where that's used, to to sharpen ourselves, to try to gain a better understanding of it. I think there's things that we need to just maybe as in a way of preface, look for repeat words. One, one scholar said, interpret what is unclear by what is clear. And then another warning or uh, word before diving into it was that we should always 
make the passage or the text should shape our theology rather than our theology shaping any conclusions that we make about the text. So that's all the time we have for day for today. We will take this up next week. Now let's see what's going on. Daniel was praying, Gabriel came out and said that his prayer had been heard as soon as he began praying. God sent Gabriel to give Daniel a word. And he says, because you are greatly loved, you're highly esteemed, you're, you're, you're treasured. So consider this word and understand the vision. So the vision was given that Daniel would understand. Maybe putting ourselves a little bit in Daniel's sandals as one living, this is around 539 B.C., thinking how he would think at the time. Let's see what we can come up with. Seventy weeks are decreed for your people and your holy city. I think we mentioned last week that the NIV probably has a better rendering of that being 77s are decreed. One scholar I read said that the ancients considered time periods many times in, in groups of sevens called heptads. H-E-P-T-A-D-S, heptads. We, we count in decades. You know, now we finally made it through the aughts and the teens, and we get to something that's easy to call the 20s. And we think back on the 20th century, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. But that the ancients many times grouped things in, in seven-year periods called heptads. So while many translations call it 70 weeks, that it's 70 groups of seven, and most commentaries, scholars agree that he's talking about years. It's pretty easy math, seven times 70, 490 years, if, if you want to take it as a, a literal translation. Or maybe, maybe it is, in a figurative sense, referring or related to the year of Jubilee. Remember, and Corey preached on this last week, Leviticus 25 and verse 8, You shall count seventy weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the Day of Atonement you shall sound the trumpet throughout the whole land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land. It shall be a jubilee for you. When each one of you shall return to his property, and each one shall return to his clan. Daniel is anticipating a second exodus, if you will, 
a return to the promised land after 70 or almost 70 years in captivity. God sends Abraham, I mean Gabriel, to tell Daniel more of his plan, of God's plan for redemption of all the for all people. The 70 years is almost over. Daniel's thinking Jerusalem's going to be rebuilt. Remember verse 19, he, he asked God to, to act, to, to hear and, and take action. Send us back. But what is God's complete plan for restoration? Remember what Corey said, a definition of justice from the Holman Bible Dictionary, the reestablishment of God's creation in which all people receive the benefits of life with Him, that a complete restoration of all things is God's ultimate plan to restore what was lost by sin in the Garden of Eden. The 70 weeks very well could be literal. 490 years. Scholars date it from Cyrus's decree or maybe the decree uh, in, in, in Ezra in 2 Chronicles. Depending on where you, where you begin this time period, these, these 70 weeks, that you can get very, very close to the first century. But 77s is also the equivalent of a tenfold jubilee. Can it be both? I think I like both as a lot of answers in some of these controversies or uh, disagreements. In, in this passage, that a tenfold, a complete, total jubilee of setting the captives free, breaking the bonds of sin, bringing in everlasting righteousness, the ultimate jubilee from spiritual slavery that God is telling Daniel about. Freedom from spiritual slavery that comes by the way of a new covenant. He said, 70 weeks are decreed about your people, your holy city. And then he lists six things. To finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a, a most holy place. Some Bibles, if you have footnotes, it'll, it'll tell you that most holy place could be translated most holy one to anoint a most holy one. So six things that are going to be accomplished. If you are outlining this, you might say outline point number one is, is God's redemptive plan. 
the completion of, of God's plan that these 70 weeks will bring this these things about. Have any of them been fulfilled to date? August 2020. Have none of them been fulfilled to date? Have some of them been fulfilled to date? I think some have and some haven't. Some may very well be in the, the future. We know for certain that Jesus atoned for iniquity once and for all. He does bring in everlasting righteousness in the sense that it's not our righteousness, but His righteousness. And then if you take the last sentence in verse 24 and say the last phrase, to anoint a most holy one, that He was anointed as the Lamb of God, the Messiah for all people. So we have the six parts of God's redemptive plan. Six processes that God reveals will take place. And then, then Gabriel moves on to tell Daniel when this is going to happen. And he sort of gives him, him bookends of when it begins and, and when it ends. Here again, the NIV, it's really just a matter of the punctuation, but the NIV uh, punctuates the sentence a little differently than, than the ESV. Verse 25, Gabriel tells Daniel, know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. The SV had, had put a period in between the seven sevens and the sixty-two sevens. He said from the going out to the ESV says from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one a prince shall be seven weeks. Now there's really even if you count it forty nine years there's no one who fits that bill. So I take it if we're going to go with the more literal interpretation that would be. 69 weeks until from the time of the decree to the coming of the anointed one that there'd be seven weeks and 62 weeks 70 69 weeks so there's there's kind of some signposts as we go through this directional signs to 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 help us to to grasp what's going on the first one is the time period seemed to be consecutive. Seven weeks and 62 weeks, and then verse 26, after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off. Really doesn't leave any room for a gap with that word after being there. Though I may have to contradict myself later and say that, okay, there is a gap but we'll wait till then. 
So Gabriel tells Daniel, these are the things that are going to be accomplished. They're going to begin the going out of the Word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Is that when Cyrus gives his decree? It's probably a little bit later when, when Nehemiah goes back that Cyrus gives a decree to rebuild the temple, but it's, but it's later when, uh, when Nehemiah and uh, Ezra go back and begin building the city. And then 62 weeks, and that's when the anointed one would come. Daniel's thinking of when would this captivity, this exile be over? It's about 70 years. Gabriel comes and says, 77s have been decreed. And it's not going to be just a matter of Israel returning to the promised land and to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the, the city and the walls. It's going to be so much more. This 70 weeks, they're decreed. God has ordained this. God has purposed this. He's going to finish the transgression put an end to sin, atone for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal both vision and profit, and anoint a most holy one or place. So if it is 490 years, I still contend it is the ultimate jubilee. The captives are set free. The bonds of sin are broken and everlasting righteousness is, is ushered in. If we were meeting in the fellowship hall and, and, and took a break right now at this point, walked down the hall into any of the children's classes and said, who is this talking about? An anointed one's coming it's going to put an end to sin, atone for, in, for iniquity, and bring in everlasting righteousness. I think most of the children on the other end or down the, down the hall from us would, would say Jesus. Gabriel doesn't name him by name, but he tells Daniel that an anointed one, a prince, is coming and he's going to do all these things. At what point does Daniel's head start spinning? He's thinking 70 years, we're about to be set free, go back to our own land, which would be a blessing, would be a godsend to the people. But God tells Daniel, nope, there's a lot more than that. Verse 26. He says, after the 62 weeks, so you had the seven and then the 62, an anointed one shall be cut off and have nothing. That's clearly a, a, a reference, a picture 
of the death of Christ on the cross. Some would even translate that shall have nothing as not, not for himself. That he's cut off, a, a, a metaphor for killed, not for himself. That his death was for, for many, for others. And then, then, then verse 26 continues, And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be wars. Desolations are decreed. Now we get into the fun part of, of who is this prince. The prince in verse 25 is, is clearly the Messiah, Jesus Christ. This one seems to be a different prince. Though some would say that it's referring to, to Jesus as well. The people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Well, why did the people of the Messiah, why did the Jews destroy the sanctuary? Those who would follow that view would say, well, their sin, their rejection of Messiah led to the destruction of the city. If you're not putting a gap in between the 69 years and the 70, and I'm not putting a gap in there, this is referring to 70 AD when the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem. So it could be the people of the Messiah, the Jews, destroyed the city by their rejecting the Messiah, or it could be the armies of the prince to come the Roman general Titus, who later becomes emperor, will come and destroy the city. The end shall be a flood. The, the end shall be a war. And desolations are decreed. Then verse 27, He shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. There, there again, we've got a pronoun that's hard to figure out who is it talking about. Those who would say, well, there's a gap between the 69th week or year and the 70th. Actually, it's between 483 and 490. But those who are saying that, there, that there's a gap would say this is the gap between the 69th year and the 70th is the church age. And verse 27 refers to uh, the, the, the future Antichrist. Others would say that the he in verse 27 refers to the prince in verse 26. Titus, the Roman general, that he would make a, a covenant with, with many, but that really doesn't seem to fit history, what we know of, of the Roman destruction there of, of Jerusalem. I think it refers to Jesus. That it goes back to the prince in verse 25. Now before you turn off the recorder and delete this Bible study, let me tell you why. <clears throat> Sometimes it's helpful to, unless you know 
the original language that Scripture was written in, in this case Hebrew, sometimes it's helpful to look at different translations. Here again, the NIV translates that phrase, He shall make a strong covenant with He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. And the scholars say that confirm is a better translation. YSV and so many others used make a strong, but that the actual meaning of the Hebrew is that He will confirm a covenant with many for one week. So if the 70th week follows immediately after the seven and the 62 weeks, the anointed one is cut off. He will make, he will confirm a strong covenant with many for a week. How could that possibly be Jesus? Well, turn to Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. And the word of the Lord through Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with your, their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That if Daniel, if Gabe, the word that Daniel receives from Gabriel is that he, that prince, the anointed one, is going to make, I keep reading it, is going to confirm the covenant, this new covenant that God promised the people during the days of Daniel, during the days of, of Jeremiah. It says he'll confirm a strong covenant with many for one week and for half the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. That Christ's death on the cross ended all need for any other sacrifice. What did Jesus tell the disciples just before he went to the garden? of Gethsemane to pray. Matthew 26, verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for who? many for the forgiveness of sin i tell you i will not eat i will not drink again from this of this fruit 
fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant that's poured out for many. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 9 Verse 15 says, Therefore He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Verse 16, For where a will is involved, the death of one who made it must be established. That for a, for a covenant... The Mosaic Covenant required the, the death of the, the daily sacrifices, the Passover lamb once a year, the, the, the atonement, the Day of Atonement when the high priest would go into the, to the Holy of Holies, then they would take the scapegoat and send him out away from the camp, away from the city. But Jesus came confirming this new covenant that was for many, and then put an end to sacrifice. And then verse 27 ends with, On the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. The prince to come, Gabriel tells Daniel, the prince to come is going to confirm this, this covenant that God is making with many. Isaiah 53 says that He would make many be counted as righteous. Matthew 20, 28 said that He would give His life as a ransom for many. So I think the He in verse 27, if I haven't said it before, refers to Jesus and the, and the new covenant. And Gabriel is telling Daniel, you're thinking about 70 years and the exile ending. This is what God is going to do for Israel, but also for all people. Not to overlook, and, 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 and then mixed in there, it's going to be in a troubled time. There's going to be abominations, one who, who, who makes desolate, and that this prince to come who's going to destroy the city is a picture of, of, of the Roman general Titus. Josephus records in, in, the, in his, one of his books of wars of the Jews, just the description of the Roman soldiers just being worn out from killing the Jews in Jerusalem. That they would enter a house and they would go up on the second floor and find many people dead just from, from the famine that resulted from the, the two-year uh, occupation or the two-year uh, period that Rome encircled the, the, the city. It can also be a picture of the Antichrist to come. That there are several places in, in the Bible where there are 
double references going on. Think about Genesis and the account of Abraham taking his son Isaac up on the mountain to, to sacrifice him. And that that's a picture of Christ's future sacrifice. Or even Psalm 22, that's a, a lament of David, but the fuller meaning is revealed in, in Jesus. Some would say the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 is, is the prophet himself or maybe Israel's own thoughts about her destiny, but we miss the truest meaning if we don't see it as a prophecy of Jesus. This prophecy from, from Gabriel to Daniel is Christ-centered. And just one writer says, Christ-saturated. Daniel had been thinking small things. Gabriel tells him much more. What's the key word in the whole passage? Regardless of which interpretation one wants to take, I think we would all end up in the same conclusion, that being verse 24, 77s are decreed. I'm sorry, that's verse 24. Verse 24, 77s are decreed. Verse 27, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Whether that desolator be a future Antichrist or if it's Titus or whoever, that God wins in the end. God has decreed this. He's bringing these things about. And sometimes we just have to wait. But God is working His perfect will in our lives while we're waiting. We want things in a microwave society immediately. Daniel and Israel are going to have to wait over 500 years for Messiah to come. Our hope, our assurance is that Jesus will return again just as He promised. It's been decreed. It's not decreed like a football game and the announcer says Adam Vinatieri has not missed a field goal in 17 years and then clank, he hits the upright. It's not decreed like Joe Buck saying the Rangers are one strike away and the next thing you know, a ball's bouncing off of the wall in St. Louis and Nelson Cruz is still looking for the ball. It's decreed by the sovereign creator, sustainer, the God of the universe has decreed this. This is going to happen and He's going, he's going to put an end to the desolator. 
one writer said that there's no evidence that Daniel went back to the promised land. Then in chapter 10, when we really get there next week in the third year, so in the first year, he learns that it's about time to go. And, and, and Cyrus makes his decree. Daniel apparently stayed there. Why? I think he, he, he decided that short-term things are unimportant when the things of eternity get a hold of your heart. The Daniel, this revelation from God through Gabriel learned so much more than the 70 years. He, he, he learned of the ultimate jubilee, 70 sevens, that the captives would be set free. Things would be restored to the way that God had intended it before sin came in to the world. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And God, I know that there's many interpretations to this passage, but that ultimately, once again, in the writing of Daniel, we see that You are in control, that You are the sovereign God of history, of the future. May we make You the sovereign Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.